What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro, dude, and I'm sick of talking about James Harden shit, so we're not talking about James Harden shit uh, anymore. I did it earlier this week on the episode. If you want to hear some guest appearances, I went on a few different podcasts this week that I tweeted out links to, so go check that out if you want some more James Harden stuff. But today, we're going to be talking about Sam Celtics and Sam... I'm just glad that I had a photo of you in the Joker makeup already on file. <laughs> I, I it's, that's pretty uh, that's surprising because I usually play those pretty close to the vest. I usually never post myself in Joker makeup. Yeah, especially because it's happened so few times. Sure, you know, like I, I've, I, I for uh, for a 33 year old man, I've definitely been in Joker makeup an appropriate amount of times. Uh, it's not sure. too many. It's not definitely. Uh, Definitely not this most recent one where I put uh, literally um, not ones that weren't health for healthy for uh, human skin contact. Well, that's the image that we'll be using for this episode. Okay, uh, kind of Great. double dipping on that photo because we're going to be talking about Kristaps Porzingis, Sam's uh, favorite Celtic parody. Um, before <laughs> before we get into anything else, though, let's talk. A little bit about our sponsors from underdog fantasy use the promo code slop slop to get a 100 dollars deposit match today and i thought we were just going to have to re reiterate the picks that we already made for the upcoming nba season on here but it does look like they've added someone else and that is mr scoot henderson has been added Ooh. to here 15.8 points per game this is interesting because if dame starts the season on the blazers i could see scoot not hitting 15.8 points per game. Yeah. But if Dame is gone, I'm almost positive that he's going to be hitting at least 15.8 points per game. So just to kind of, let's just assume that Dame gets traded at least at some point and our guy Scoot has a breakout this year. Let's go higher on his points per game. And then uh, is there anyone here that we haven't made a pick on before for this upcoming NBA season? We already did Porzingis. We, we did. I did Tatum. Uh, we did not do Luca. Luca's 30.6 points per game, 8.4 rebounds, 7.7 .7 assists. I feel like he's that he's going to get higher on those assists. That's one I was looking at, too. I felt like higher on the assists. So it might be a, a, a the move there. OK, so let's go higher on Luca's assists, higher we on Scoot's points. Okay, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I was I was gonna say I, I forgot we already did Scoot's points. I was gonna say I would like to fade uh, Bradley Beal's points, but we can do that next time. Twenty one point eight really is not much though. It's not, but like He's also the third score. Yeah, like I, it's just kind of hard to have everyone do that, and I also he's like not good. He's like okay, but he's like not like you know I, I don't know if he's good enough to survive being a third scorer and putting up twenty points. Yeah, I think even last year he dipped to, like, the low 20s, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and just, like, you know, it'd be one thing if they still had, like, just a, a nobody's nobody, like, bench rotator. But I kind of like a lot of the guys they got. <laughs> so, like, you know, I think they've got more bench pop than people, like, realize. So And KD and Booker were probably both average 30 a game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or something close to it next year. Right. So. Uh, let's keep it like this as it is. Uh, if you go on to Underdog today and you put fifty dollars on that, you pay. Uh, it pays one fifty when that ultimately hits after the season. Uh, you can go on Underdog today. Like I said, promo code SLOP slop, and 
You'll get a $100 deposit match. Supports the program. You can also do their fantasy football leagues for the entire season. Best ball mania. Pick'ems for your favorite player stats in football and basketball. So if you have not already, go on Underdog and use that promo code today. So, Sam, let's get into it. Chris Upsporzingis, who we, we heard like a, a few days ago that he might be being held out for what, when it leaked, it sounded like it was a precautionary thing. It sounded like something that he, the Celtics didn't really want him to risk in the World Cup playing for Latvia. But he ended up having plantar fasciitis and will miss, I believe they said six to eight weeks. He's expected to be back at some time during training camp or at least for the start of preseason. But um, I did go on a Celtics podcast. Uh, it's called uh, First on the Floor. I went on a Celtics podcast to talk about this James Harden thing. And I learned while I was on there that some Celtics fans are twisting this as it's actually a good thing. <laughs> they, yeah. they informed me. So yeah. how do you feel about the whole thing? I mean, that's not crazy. So, like, I think everyone was, like, kind of tuning in when this news broke to, like, watch me, like, go absolutely fucking insane. And I think I disappointed people by being like, eh, you know, I don't. Because I don't think I, – I honestly – I kind of split the difference here. I'm, I don't think it's, like, the end of the world. Because I do as, – as, like, weird as that sounds, I do agree with, like, what everybody else is saying, like I'd rather him just not play in the world cup and like risk re-aggravating it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we saw what happened, like what happened with Gallinari last year where he's playing an international play. And then he I brought that up. Name. I was yeah. like, you guys are so scarred by, and, yeah. and to be fair, I mean, I get it with a guy like Porzingis's health history to not want him to play extra games, Yeah, but you know, it's what usually one guy, one NBA player every year has some sort of serious injury. Um, yeah, the guy and, on the Nuggets, uh, Vlad Kankar. I I can never Conchar. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Yeah, Conchar. Right? Uh, no, not Conchar. Yeah, kind of, I know. I know who you're talking about. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 white European guy. That yeah. Plays, him. <laughs> that plays for the mm-hmm. uh, Nuggets. That isn't Nikola Jokic. Uh, had sustained an injury, but it is they, these injuries aren't super common, but they obviously do happen in an international play from time to time. Yeah, and and I guess just my thing with Porzingis is like, you know, like because like on the one hand, it's like this is not this is probably not going to be like like I don't think this injury is going to be what, can you do, but it's just it's not it's not a good sign when a guy with a history of lower body injuries who's what seven foot four seven foot three, like it already has one before like the season has already has like started so like you know that's more I think it's more just like the the understanding that like you know hey maybe the Wizards season was the outlier and I think Celtics fans have to brace a little bit for you know, the fact that he's probably like, if you didn't like the Rob Williams thing, um, I, I don't think you're going to like the, the Chris Tapps Porzingis thing. Cause it's going to be pretty similar. Like it's going to come down to the end of the year. And like, if he's healthy during that time, it'll be good. And if he's not healthy during that time, it'll be bad. And I saw enough people tweets of people absolutely losing their mind about how we had to trade Rob Williams for Jakob Pertle because he was never available. But like, for some reason, trading Marcus Smart for Kristaps Porzingis is different because the, the ceiling's so much higher. And it's like, I don't think you're going to be singing that tune when like Porzingis has like knee inflammation, like, you know, uh, 
in fucking April and, uh, you know, we're heading for, you know, whatever. So like, look, I, it, it's really not that big a deal. I don't think this like plantar fasciitis is like going to linger. And I do see, honestly, I agree that I honestly do agree that it's, it's probably good that he, he did get hurt. Way. Yeah. Well, he got hurt in a way that makes it so he doesn't risk a more serious injury during international competition. <laughs> like, you know, because it just, he's just got a higher percentage chance on every game he plays of getting injured. So just you want him to play as few games as possible. And, um, you know, him getting injured for an injury that will not really carry over into the season. Like he should be good to go for the start. And maybe even if it's just a few games, that's not a big deal. Like that is kind of a, you know, that is good, but it's still not. But when you back up, you're like, Holy fuck. We like, not gutted the team, but we made some pretty significant concessions to role players that fit around our two stars to bring this guy in for the high ceiling and then signed him for two more years. And, you know, you've already got the second lower body injury. So I just, I think, I think Celtics fans are, are, are coping a little, but that said, you know, there's also a pretty good chance this works out. Like he could also be healthy, you know? Yeah. My thing with I the mean, Porzingis thing is just it's a coin flip. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, you know, that's the same thing with the Celtics season. I was on um, the Strickland podcast yesterday and they were asking me about how I felt about the Celtics. And um, shout out to those guys, by the way. Great Knicks podcast. And they were like, and that's just what I said. Like, I was like, you could tell me this team won 41 games next year. I'd be like, sure. You tell me they win 64 games next year. I'd be like, sure. I, it, you know, like they're just. They've got Brogdon, Rob Williams, and Porzingis, all guys who are like prone to missing time. They're not as deep. They're still pretty deep, but they're not as deep. And you know, it just it can go a lot of different ways. So, yeah, it's it's funny because I mm -hmm. said the same thing that Brian's saying in the comments, which is Embiid had this last off season, yeah, and then he came back and. The first week of the season, I was like, this is the worst I've ever seen Joel play. And yeah. two weeks into the year, I was like, is it over? What's happening? And then he turns the season around and ends up winning MVP uh, because he immediately kind of flipped a switch at a certain point once that injury kind of wore off. He wasn't able to. The big thing for Joel, too, that might be a little bit different than a guy like Porzingis is that Joel has to be in really good shape. And because of plantar fasciitis, you're not able to work out in the same capacity. Whereas Porzingis' offensive and defensive load won't be quite as high as a guy like Joel's will be. Or I'm sorry, that Joel's was for the Sixers. Uh, since he can be more of a role complementary guy on offense. And yeah. of course, he'll be a, a rim protector on, on defense. But I don't think that it's quite as important that Porzingis is, you know... He's not the center of the team, like literally yeah. the center of the team uh, yeah. in the same way that Joel is. So that might not even be as much of a concern. You can kind of ease him back into the season in a way that the Sixers really can't afford to because Joel's their best player. Yeah. I don't think the plantar fasciitis is like the issue. It's more just like, you know, if you thought that, you know, Porzingis is going to be, um, you know, enter some new age of health, you know, because because he was healthy for the Wizards last year, like not not looking that way, you know. It's again, if you're someone who the Rob Williams stuff drove you insane last year, I feel like you're not going to like the Kristaps Porzingis experience. Like, and it's just it's funny to me to have all the Celtics fans who like pissed and bitched and moaned so much about Rob Williams and like 
the the lack of consistency on this team wanting uh you know suddenly wanting the high variance of Chris Tapp's Porzingis when it's like literally the exact same thing with Rob Williams just on like the defensive end of the floor obviously it's not as impactful because like Porzingis is like an all-star caliber talent but it's like a very similar thing to varying degrees so I don't know I don't uh yeah Brian and I were actually texting about this what he's saying in the comments about like you know the high floor contenders and you know He's see, you know, because Brian's pointing out what we've pointed out on this show before that, you know, there's just you have to have good luck no matter what, like to win the NBA title. Like, like that's no matter how good you are, you have to have some form of good luck. That's just kind of the nature of the beast. Um, so, you know, if you want to think about it that way, it's like, well, why not go for the highest variance? Because you're going to need the good luck, health, luck anyway. I see it the other way where there's varying percentages of injury risk that can submarine the season. I think the Celtics have taken on, you know, they've moved their injury risk number from like 25 to like, you know, 41 or something like that. So, and I I just, I don't think that's, I think that's going to add up over the season. Not not say it can't work. It like, again, it might work. I just, I don't feel very good about it. I would not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, done this i would have done this for the brogdon deal but i would not have traded marcus smart for him that's that's the thing i was we were just talking about as well on that podcast was the fact that when it happened i remember kind of having a breakdown because it was just it was pretty much just malcolm brogdon and salary filler for porzingis and that trade in itself made me feel as though wow the celtics just got better and kept their depth and mm-hmm. added a guy who's going to complement really well. I felt a little bit different when you remove Smart, who's a big part of the team, and and that changes the calculus a little bit. But also, someone on on Twitter did bring this up. I I personally don't buy this. It was, but it was. I, I want to know how you respond to this because it was. Okay. Uh, the KP is never healthy. He's an injury risk was the tweet from someone named Adam Taylor NBA. I know Adam. Yeah. And he yeah. tweeted smarts games over the last four years, 60, 48, 71, 61 Porzingis, 57, 43, 51, 65. Okay. And now let's do Marcus smarts playoff games. That is where people <laughs> were pushing back was Porzingis. Some it sometimes due to the fact that he was on bad teams, like when he played for the Knicks, and then sometimes due to the fact that he was just not healthy or available for the Mavericks the two years that he played for them and they made the playoffs. Uh, or it might have been three years. that yeah, I think he played three years for the Mavericks and barely ever played. I was wondering how many playoff games he played because Smart really has been healthy for the playoffs, which is what you're talking about right now, yeah. which is you're adding to the injury variance calculator here yeah. where you're like, oh, we have three guys who might not be available at the most important well, time and an old Al Horford versus Smart who will have his bumps and bruises throughout the course of a season but has largely been available at the most important times. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, one of those really low ones, I think that 40-game season was him uh, punching a fucking uh, frame in a <laughs> uh getting glass in his hand in a hotel now yeah the other the, side of the, the coin- favorite thing uh by yeah. guards on the celtics <laughs> yeah i love that um yeah we we our, our guys really struggle with the glass stuff we gotta we, only only like plastic is like what we need we need to become the plastic guard only um but like i think 
but the other side of the coin though is uh oh yeah i forgot he also had that he had a crazy eye infection like so the other side of the coin like to be fair to adam's point though smart also plays like an absolutely insane style of basketball i say that smart is the ethical flopper because he just gets fucking annihilated over and over again like even when he's flopping he's like smashing his head into the court at like 60 miles an hour so you know on the other hand it there is something i think some of marcus's injury stuff is kind of due to just the fucking football player nature of like how he plays basketball so you know like i you know i i think that is a little bit more of a concern than my thing is i just don't fucking care about the regular season i think that's something that really had people really fed up with marcus smart last season is because marcus smart had a really bad regular season he like was straight up not good he had was bad almost every game and like you watch too many regular season games and you get in that like fucking mindset that like, Oh, Marcus smart sucks. Marcus smart sucks. And nobody like caught up that like he was our third to second best player in the entire like heat and uh, Sixer series. So I, I don't know. I, I'm never going to, I'm never going to get over the smart thing. I'm like, I, I, again, I'm in my feelings. I'm too close to it. Sure. I, you know, really do whatever it is. So it's like very hard for me to like compartmentalize like Porzingis is something like independent from Marcus. Um, But I I just think in the long run, you know, I think the Celtics have about the same chance at a championship. I don't think that this moved the odds for them, but I I've always thought they could have won the championship. I think the window has been open for like three years now. And I I just think everyone's kind of talked themselves into I'm even if they win the championship this year, I'm not it's not going to change my mind like wow, they, you know, they they just couldn't get over the hump with that other crowd. It's just no, they had bad luck. They ran into Miami every fucking year who's like they're that's like the one team they can't play. So, sorry, like I I'm just not going to feel differently about that. Um so again, boring, but I think they can win the title. I also think it's not going to be as fun to watch and uh I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of shooting threes, a lot of um, Maury ball. Daryl's gonna love it. Daryl's gonna love this Celtics squad. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna yeah. say he. Uh, it would be kind of. It would yeah. end up being very funny if the two teams that won finals on using Maury ball yeah. were the Warriors and the Celtics, uh, mm-hmm. the team that he could never beat in either <laughs> yeah. conference with the yeah. teams that he is creating. Uh, but I mean, they're certainly leaning in. The, we've talked about that before. Leaning into the variance thing leaning into the, you know, putting up 43s a game and kind of hoping that the outcomes are better than they have been in the past few years because you've got better three-point shooters and and more positional, you know, Porzingis is one of the best three-point shooting bigs in the league. I I have a question for you. Do you know how many playoff games Porzingis has played in his career? I looked this up. I looked it it up and I can't remember. I want to say it was like 16 or something like that. He's played 10. 10, and, okay, yep. And three of them, I don't know if you remember. The It's so funny because every time I look at playoff stats, the bubble is just such an outlier when it comes to guys yeah. who are usually injured being available. Like, I know the Sixers got swept, but 
It was the only year Joel didn't get hurt in the first round. Yeah. Uh, he always gets hurt within the first three or four games of every playoffs. He doesn't get but, hurt in that series. Anthony Davis gets a whole run. Kristaps Porzingis does get hurt during that run, but he actually was available for the playoffs. And he mm-hmm. played three games. Like, basically everyone who has some sort of injury history, that was the one year that they were able to make some sort of run or have at least availability for the playoffs. Porzingis was actually available again the next year. He only played seven games in the following playoffs. In tw- uh, twenty, He played the entire uh, Clipper series the following year. His numbers, it's also hard to take anything from the numbers because if you combined the bubble, which had no fans at all, and he played out of his mind in the bubble in those three games before he got hurt. He was, he was unbelievable. He shot, he had a seventy percent true shooting in those three games. Yeah. And then the following year had fifty-seven percent true shooting, uh, in those seven games. But there were largely no fans. At least in the games in in L.A., there were a limited amount of fans. So it's hard to really extract anything from there. But it does show you kind of like the fact that. He was on so many bad Knicks teams. We didn't know if he was going to be available. And then one year, obviously, had the torn ACL. We And then the two years that he was on a team where his team was actually good, one year, uh, you know, uh, he gets hurt in the playoffs. And then the other year, he plays all their games and they lose in the first round. So you can't really hold it against him. But because of this long history we talked about with the lower body injury at his size, uh, and someone who is a generally injury-prone player, that's the thing that you're going to worry the most about. Are they available at the... It's Majority of the time, it is the bigs that you worry about. It's Anthony Davis, it's Joel Embiid, it's Kristaps Porzingis, it's those kind of guys. So that's really what's going to kind of make or break the Porzingis experience. Whereas, like, it is easy for me to joke, be like, yeah, just get it out of the way, get the injury out of the way. But an injury in August the year before... Uh, you know, before everything starts is better than, you know, him getting hurt in December or January. And you can kind of ease him, kind of bring him into the fold and, and, and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that the thing the cause like put the other thing about this Porzingis thing is the Celtics also kind of don't have like, like there's question marks all across their big depth. Like Al Horford is probably our most solid guy, and I love Al, but like he's fucking like thirty eight. He's thirty seven, right? He's thirty seven. Yeah, yeah, thirty seven or thirty eight, and then like during you know, the playoffs next year, he turns thirty eight, I believe. Like I love Rob as like a, a high variance swing piece, but now you've put another high variance swing piece next to him, and I, I just don't think you should have two of those guys. You know, who is the, the fourth big? Like because they'll have to be Luke Cornett. Cornett, okay. I, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Well, I guess you had to trade Muscala to make the money work. Yeah. Um, and they haven't. Or did they? Son, did Muscala get traded? Or did I'm he? Sign per, I don't. Th- I don't think he's on the team anymore. I'll. I'll, ch- I'll double no, check. He's definitely not on the team anymore. I. Just, yeah. I can't remember. I think he was included but, in the Porzingis trade. I think he was that. too because the um, because he had another year left when he sure. was. Uh, yeah, Delano Banton, O'Shea Brissett. I mean, they, this is the thing: is they don't tr- they, like they say they're giving giving um, uh, Joe the team he needs. I think they just don't trust Joe to have a good rotation. They signed O'Shea. That they, they they lost all these guys. Blake Griffin might retire. He's the uh, the other yeah. only other big on their depth. It's 
Uh, Kevin Gayleg, who, like, is not ready. Um, I, do, I do do not think is going to be on the roster coming is out he, of. Is he like thirty now though? <laughs> he's twenty six. He's twenty six. Um, and well, Luke Cornett's twenty eight. You know, like True. so. You know, they they have a lot of. I mean, this is what I mean by like high variance. The Celtics are not going to be. Um, you know, they, they've got basically one style, and it's just it's going to be. You know, they might have to bring like Noah Vonley back or, or something. Like it's it's going to be something where they're the guy they use their fifteenth roster spot is on is going to be like legitimately important because they don't have they've got a lot of size on the wing. They do not have any size like in the big depth. I love Rob; he's got great verticality, but you know he's still six nine. You know, yeah. and so is Al. You know, like Porzingis can't really handle bangers. You know, so you're really counting on. Uh, Luke at that point. So, uh, and he's, you know, I don't think he's really up for it. So there's a, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of stuff here. I just don't like it. The Celtics are not as flexible. Um, they're a lot more, you know, um, room potential. They, they don't have the same big depth issues though, Brian, because Grant is gone. That, that's like the difference is you don't have Grant anymore. And like, you're now counting like heavily on Porzingis and Al's a year older. Like we got really lucky with Al's health. I was worried about the big depth last year and we got lucky because Al never got hurt. Like, and it ended up not being a big deal. And maybe that happens again, but I, I don't think it's the same. I think Grant, again, he's like fun to clown on. He's, he's a goofy guy. Like, I I think we're really going to miss him this year. Like, and I, I just think it's hard to find guys who are like ready and willing to play. And again, if Porzingis is healthy, the vision is realized and the Celtics can absolutely do it. You know, I'm yes. not saying, I'm not saying that like Brian's necessarily wrong. There's definitely like a, a green teamer upside to this. Like if he is, if, if Porzingis is the guy he was on the wizards last year, it's a slam dunk for the Celtics, you know, and he's healthy. Like they, they, they do become one of the, probably the most dangerous like teams in the league. And well, that, that's the other thing is that they don't like the, we talked about the East yesterday, and I'm like, it's. Mm-hmm. I know you've been saying how the East is deep, but like, I still feel like there isn't like a real contender. <laughs> like, uh, like Miami hasn't traded for Dame. We can say that yeah. they're going to trade for him, but until that happens, we have to just accept them for what they are. I think I the more we talked about it, the team that I really have kind of sold myself on making a leap and potentially being in that top tier because Milwaukee's just old and could have injury problems too. The Celtics have more injury variants added to the mix. The Sixers are a fucking mess right now. The team that I've been thinking of is Cleveland. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Knicks and I I was about to lose my mind. I was like, (laughs) I want to give the Knicks credit. I think they're going to be a really good regular season team and a pain in the ass to play in the playoffs. Yeah. Because like they always give teams like the Sixers and the Celtics fits because they play tips ball. They have a bunch of yeah. like energy guys who play scrappy point of attack defense and rebound the shit out of the ball. But ultimately I still think that they're one more move away from being a legitimate contender to win anything. Like I think yeah. they're going to be a good regular season team. They'll be a fun regular season team, but I think that the Cavs are the one team because you know, we'll talk, we could talk a little bit just about like, their rebounding issues they had against the Knicks and some of the things that that they struggled with in a playoff setting and maybe those that too big formula will just never work until 
Mobley is at least an average three point shooter. I mean, they did they did get a lot of shooting though. Like that's I, you what know, I'm like, saying. Like, that's yeah, what I was gonna like, say. Yeah, you they, and they they're they're a different team than they were yeah. last year. Like they, they were added they were not Yang, fully formed. Who yeah. is actually very good for the Sixers? So you know he's yeah. not gonna help their rebounding issues, but he'll help with the spacing. He can play, you know, uh, he can play the four with either Mobley or Allen. And yep. then you have the fact that they added Max Struess, who's going to start for them probably. And, you know, Isaac Okoro uh, isn't as relied on as much. He could be more of a complimentary bench piece that just comes off and plays every once in a while. And and someone, uh, a Cavs fan that I follow, posted uh, Karis Levert's shooting numbers from last year was by far his worst. He was a good three-point shooting year, by far the the worst year he's ever had as a mid-range shooter by like 10%. And if he could get back to like a decent level of mid-range shooting in addition to maintaining his three-point percentage, then he automatically becomes, you know, a, a much more interesting player with more shooting around them. And the fact that I think everyone kind of suffered from that. Mitchell, Garland, Mobley, and, and they add shooting... And you got four really, really talented guys and your depth is better. Like, I still think that they're going to struggle to defend on the wing, especially. But that's really their only major weakness moving forward. And I think that that could move them up into this contender status in the East just because there's so many question marks on every single team now. I'm, I'm going to address that. I just have to get this out of the way because it's driving me insane. I just want it because the comments are saying that Grant played, you know, more wing power forward. The difference here is that Grant was very strong and in a switching defense, he could hold up. And the other person who was really strong and who could hold up when switched on to bigger guys was Marcus Smart. And both of those guys are gone. So that is that is why that is a, another reason the size is a huge problem with the Celtics. OK, sorry. Going back to the Cavaliers. But one the, second. I just yeah. want to say. You're mar- you're going to be married to the three point variant and the drop coverage. Those drop are the coverage, two yep. things, and maybe that turns out to be for the best if Derek White can kind of you know fight over screens and Jay and he Brand. can do that. Yeah, he yeah. can do that. Sure. You know, yeah. it's just you're missing one more. What made Derek and Marcus so devastating was there were fucking two of them. Sure. You know, like it, 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 now now a- it's Malcolm Brogdon doing that, which is a totally different ball yeah. game. Like, and as we've know. seen before, it takes a yeah. little bit to get used to, you know, running a completely different scheme all the time. Yeah. Like the Celtics saw during their their quote unquote disaster season before they turned it around in yeah. Udoka's first season, and uh, yeah. and then they had issues again in the playoffs. Right. So, and, and I'm not say, I'm not saying they're going to play a switching defense. I'm saying that's off the table now. Like yeah. that's the thing is they is they were a smaller team last year. And I was worried about the big depth last year, but they were able to switch. Now you are stuck on drop with two of your three bigs, maybe even three as injury, injury concerns. Sure. Right. So the the Warriors and Heat are mostly switching defenders. Bam Adebayo is also like almost never injured. Like he always plays like 80 something games or he was injured in the playoffs. Like I think he, he missed the bubble final or something like that, but like he's usually pretty good. The Warriors have a lot of this stuff. So, uh, yeah, Nuggets, Bucks, Philly, Lakers all have drop bigs. Okay, but the thing is they have Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, and Anthony Davis on those teams. Like, I just don't think Porzingis is the same caliber of defender as – all of those guys, except for Jokic, who's obviously just like he's a totally been, different guy. Yeah, and he's been he's, he has he's been, been good, good and he's been good protecting the rim. Yeah, the, the point here is that it's 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 all of these things together. It's a totally change, different change in scheme. It's the injury concerns. 
there's just there's a lot here that's different and i'm not saying it won't work i'm just saying that there is a lot of there's a lot of there's there's just a lot of things that can go wrong it does not mean they will go wrong it's just a lot of things that can go wrong again this might just be me being in my feelings about marcus but i just i really i believe it when i see it anyway it's back to the castle yeah it's (laughs) totally possible you're 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 doubling down on the tatum brown combination and maybe that plus maximize spacing will end up being uh the key to unlocking everything and and that's that's a good point too like it honestly because the, the thing that hasn't happened is Jason Tatum hasn't had like a just truly dominant end-to-end postseason. If that happens, none of this other shit matters. Like sure. if Jason Tatum makes it makes the true leap into a because that's that's the real problem with the Celtics is J- Jason Tatum's a top ten guy, not a top five guy. If that leap happens, then totally different ball game. Totally different ball game. So All right, well, we'll see because we're yeah. drafting in the Patreon part. We're drafting the thirty best players in the NBA yeah. for this. So. We'll see yeah. where Jason Tatum ends up on there. So yeah. back to the Cavaliers. Yeah, back to the Cavs. So I, up. my thing though is I, I to quote uh, Genius Bill as he fucking styled on us when we were picking the Clippers last year. Can I see it? Can I see Can this see postseason? It? Can I see this sure. postseason success for the Cavs before I anoint them coming out of the East? It, it's just it's really hard to go from losing the first round in five games to suddenly. Um, you know, being in the like conference finals, like that is a fucking jarring, like, I think they'll be better, you know, but you know, it's not like the Knicks were like this gangbuster, like, you know, it's not like they were playing like one of the top three teams in the East. Like they lost a a series they were favored in. And I, uh, uh, I think they had home court too, right? They were the four seed. Or who was the four seed? I thought it was Cleveland. They did have home court. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm no not to, to like shit on the Cavs. I, you know, I think they'll, they'll definitely get there. You know, they have a bright future. I definitely think they'll be in the conference finals some point in the next three to five years, but I just don't know. Even as shitty as, and frustrated as you are with the Sixers and as much as I get annoyed with my Celtics and even we love to shit on the Bucks, all of those teams are, are, better, are better than Cleveland right now. Like they all are better than Celtics Cleveland. and Bucks for sure. I'm not yeah. sure about the Sixers just because of the Harden situation. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I yeah. mean, look, Cleveland's still got a lot to prove. I <laughs> probably like them more as a regular season team than a playoff team until we see some <laughs> offensive advancement right. from Evan Mobley. That's really right. what I need to see. But I think that if you look at the core of teams, because the lack of, real moves that were made this offseason. Like, the Dame trade hasn't happened. The Celtics made one pretty big trade. The Sixers kind of sat on their hands and have, a you know, something to to kind of deal with that is happening off the court. And then add into the equation that the Cavs made some depth moves, plus they have potential for internal development. You know, Garland mm. can get better. Mobley can get yep. better. Like, the... If we're looking year to year, who could make a swing up into the next tier of contender? They're the logical candidate, but I probably would like them, and I think I'll probably have them as a top two or three seed when we could when we get around to ranking our regular season tiers. But mm-hmm. that Mobley Allen pairing, until Mobley is a more advanced offensive player, is going to be problematic for them, even if they surround them with really good shooting. I just think that that's always going to be an issue and it's something Ben Taylor talked about on his podcast where he's like, 
You just can't have this little shooting in the playoffs and expect to win a playoff series. And he was completely right. And that was before the playoffs even started. And it was kind of a precursor foreshadowing of what happened to them in the next series. So we'll, we'll get into all that kind of stuff later as we get closer to the season. As we do this episode, we're going to be drafting in the Patreon portion the 30 best players in the NBA right now. Who would you want moving forward? Yeah. So not... 30 best players as it is just you know considering their history and whatever this is moving from now until you know the next five to ten years who would you want moving forward and it's going to be really interesting to see what our teams look like at the end of this so if you want to hear that part the link is in the description sign up for the you know ball patreon today you'll also get access to the you know ball discord and some other cool stuff as well so sign up today to listen to the rest of this episode.